Hmm. Well, apparently I printed out last week's sermon, so <laughs> this might be really short. Exactly, laugh. Laugh, 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 ha, ha, ha. When I don't have a script is when you're in danger. Um, so, today is the second Sunday of Advent, and we read in Malachi chapter 3 from the prophet, But who can endure the day of his coming, says the Lord of hosts? But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? Who can endure the day of his coming? And so we are looking here at the coming of the Lord once again. You'll remember from last week that in Advent we prepare for a triple coming, a triple Advent, if you will. We prepare for the first coming of Christ, right? That's the most obvious one, Christmas. We remember that. Jesus came into the world. God came as one of us. We also prepare for the second coming of Christ. Does anybody remember um, what the second advent is? And I'm not talking about the final coming. How does Christ come to us now? The continual coming of Christ is a better way of putting it. Sacramentally, yes. He comes to us in the church, in the Word, and in the sacrament, and in our service to those around us. Remember, Jesus says in Luke 24, So much as you have served the least of these, you have served me. And so that's the second coming of Christ, which gets lost a lot, I think. And then, of course, we look to the third advent, the final coming of Christ, the coming of Christ in glory. And, of course, when we look at this passage from Malachi, the answer is no one can endure the coming of Christ. Not on his or her own. No one can endure the coming of Christ. That's part of the message of John the Baptist in the Gospel today. And that doesn't sound like very good news, does it? Who can endure the coming of Christ? No one can endure the coming of Christ. But it is good news if you know the fullness of the gospel, right? Part of the problem that we have as a church in our culture today, we were talking about this last night after Light Up Lakewood, is that the idea of being worthy or holy before a holy God and not being worthy and holy before a holy God is fallen apart in our culture, right? Our culture is breaking into various groups with different beliefs. And so one person might say, well, I believe the God to be, God to be the universe, right? Someone else might say, well, you know, my God does this, or my God does that. And so as the church, we have to point back to God's Word and say, well, what is God like? Yes, He loves you, but yes, you're also unworthy to come before him. And so am I. We are unworthy to come before him. We are unwashed. We are unclean. Now, it's hard to give that message, right? Consider John the Baptist in today's gospel reading today is giving that message 
to the people of Israel. What does he say? As it's written in the book of the wilderness of the words of the prophet Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways. And if we stop there, that's the first part of the gospel, which is, to many, the unappealing part. The unappealing part. Now, we'll get to why it's actually good news in a minute. But why is it unappealing? Because, go back to verse 3, John is going around proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But let me ask you, is repentance easy? Yes and no. It depends on, the, on your heart, right? It depends on your heart. But do many of us naturally like correction? Do many of us like hearing, hey, you're doing that wrong. You need to stop doing that. The answer is no, right? Even more so, we don't like to hear, hey, you're not only doing that wrong, you're not, you're not doing that in accordance with God's will, you're also not able to do it in accordance with God's will on your own strength. Right? That just rubs us the wrong way. Well, I'm able to do what I like. I'm able to be holy. God should accept me for who I am. Right? That's the rebellious heart of mankind speaking out as it has since the fall of Adam in Genesis 3. And so the hard part of the gospel is the call to repentance. Stop what you're doing, stop who you are, and turn to Christ. But you don't even do that on your own merit. You don't even do that under your own power, right? If we consider this, the changing of the will is an act of the Holy Spirit. You've heard me preach before that the act of repentance itself is a grace, right? The act of repentance itself is a grace. If you've been around Lakewood Anglican, St. Anselm, any amount of time, you know that, right? That it's hard to repent, and it's only, you're only able to repent because the Holy Spirit touches your heart and says, well, you know what? That's right. Even for unbelievers for those pre-believers, perhaps I should say, it's an act of the Holy Spirit to bring about repentance. And honestly, this is something that gets lost in the evangelical side of the church. Right? So how many of us were raised in churches where we were told to go and evangelize and lead people to Christ, bring people to Christ, win people to Christ? Look at all those verbs. Now, it's admirable sentiment, but it's impossible. You don't lead someone to Christ. No one comes before the Father but through me, says Jesus. You don't win someone to Christ. You didn't conquer death and sin. You don't convert anyone to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that does that, right? So why is this good news? 
It's good news because, number one, those of us tasked with evangelism can't do it. That sounds counterintuitive. But think of the relief that this brings to the church. Your job and my job is to proclaim the gospel, not to win converts. Right? So, for example, last night at Light Up Lakewood, many of you came by or were with us as we gave out hot chocolate and the church card and um, prayed with some people. Right? We were not trying to get people just to confess Christ right then and there. Rather, what were we doing? We were proclaiming Jesus. We were proclaiming the reality of the kingdom of God, just as John the Baptist does here. We were saying to people, look, this kingdom exists. Take a look at it and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Now, what's the good news, the second part of the good news here? Well, the second part of the good news is that it's in the power of God that every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways. Verse 6, And all flesh shall see the salvation of our God. The good news, the second part of the gospel, that first part is sometimes called the law, right? The second part, the gospel, is that indeed we can't win converts, but so on the other side of things as those who are Christians, as those that are believers, we cannot make our way straight. We cannot make things level. We cannot make the hills low. We cannot fill every valley and level every mountain. Now, Paul's quoting the book of Isaiah there. But what's he saying? Is he literally saying, let's lop off some mountains, let's fill up the valleys, let's straighten those highways? No, that's not what he's saying, right? What is he saying? Did you ever stop to think about that? What's he saying? Well, St. Chrysostom tells us when that uh, he's a, a bishop and a preacher in the third century. He tells us that what this is talking about is our hearts and our souls. And of course, you can find that backed up in the rest of Scripture. That it's by God's grace that these things are done to us. And so, friends, by grace, you're brought into relationship with Jesus. By grace, you're refined. By God's grace, you're saved and are glorified. Do you see? It's all grace. It's all grace. That is good news. That is good news because you can't work your way to stand before a holy God. There's no way for you to do it. You can go to church every day. You can serve on every committee. You can feed the poor at a soup kitchen every day. Not going to put you in right relationship with God. God has made one way through Christ by His grace to put you in right relationship with God. And so it is in our preparation for the final coming. Right? Because this isn't just about first believing in Jesus. It's also about preparing for the final coming of Christ. Look what St. Paul writes to the Corinthian church in our epistle reading today. 
First of all, read the whole reading. And if you know what's going on here in 1 Corinthians, you know that Paul's bringing... He's bringing it, right? I don't know how to delicately put it, so I'll say what he says. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Why is he talking this way to the church? Because what's going on in Corinthians is that they have all of this grace and they're not obeying. They're not obeying. They have the means to be holy. They have Jesus. They have one another. They have St. Paul the Apostle. He sent Timothy to them to give them direction. And yet, they're arrogant, he says. They won't listen. They want to do what they want to do. And so here's where the preparation for the second coming comes in and, and for the final coming as well. That God has saved us by his grace and he wants to bring us along in our sanctification with his grace. But we have to assent to it. We have to assent to it. So when we come to Advent every year, we're reminded of this. Number one, you can't make yourself acceptable before God, but number two, you are able to prepare by the grace of God, so do so. Do so. Do you understand the difference? This isn't works righteousness. This is works of love and works in obedience. So friends, as we come to the end of the first week of Advent and go into the second week of Advent, I want you to take from today a couple different things. Number one, make sure that you're proclaiming the fullness of God's word, both law and gospel. You don't have to always proclaim it at the same time. You don't have to have the perfect evangelical pitch to win someone to Jesus. But faithfully proclaim what God has proclaimed to us. And number two, let's prepare the way in our hearts. Not by doing it ourselves, but by asking God, what are those valleys that need to be filled? What are those crooked ways that need to be straightened? What are those hills that need to be lopped off in my soul? Those idols, maybe, that I've made in my heart. And let the Holy Spirit refine you for no one is able to stand before God without his work refining us and making us acceptable. But praise God, he promises that all will see the salvation of the Lord. And he will bring to a completion that which he's begun in you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.